Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio projects. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com college. From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about the college admissions process. I'm Julie Lifcott-Hames, your host. I'm the former dean of freshmen at Stanford University and the author of the book, How to Raise an Adult. And if you've been listening to our podcast for a couple episodes now, you might notice that my voice today sounds a little different. I'm on my book tour and I've come down with a cold, but I'm more excited than ever to talk to our experts and our students here on Getting In. Here at Getting In, we're following a group of high school seniors through the highs and lows of getting into college and more importantly, helping them demystify and depressurize that process. Today, we've got updates from one of our high school seniors. And one of our veteran admissions officers, Steve Lemenege, is answering more of your questions. Steve is the president of Advice, a private college counseling firm. He's also a former director of admission at Princeton University. A little later, we'll answer a question from a family about the tricky relationship between financial aid and applying early decision. But first, Here's a question from a high school student in Lubbock, Texas. Hi, my name is Candace Kristoff. I'm currently a 10th grader. I'm from Lubbock, Texas, and I attend Lubbock High School. I was wondering, would it look better to colleges if I had extracurricular activities that focus on the same thing or extracurricular activities that focus on different things? Maybe a different way to think about the question is, how many activities should I be involved with and is more better? And when you're choosing those activities, how do you go about doing that? This student from Lubbock is in 10th grade, so has a has a chance to really have an effect on the, on the type of extracurricular profile that she offers to the colleges. My advice about that is that students should focus on really two or maybe three significant activities and then to put as much energy and effort into those, those two or three activities. And those should be dictated really by their, their interest and, and also by their talent level in that particular activity, things that they really love and care about. It's also important as you're choosing your activities for for high school to think about the narrative that you'll be telling in the course of your college application. What are you all about? What's important to you? What do you value? And and those extracurricular activities should really emanate from from those values. One example would be if if a student is interested in journalism, then certainly they should do their best to to write for their school newspaper perhaps the, the literary magazine at their school, perhaps start a new publication at their school, and then even during their summertime activities to look for programs around the country that focus on journalism. And that tells a story to the colleges that that interest is significant and strong, and it's something that they've spent a lot of time to hone their skills. That was one of Getting In's experts, Steve Lemenege. You know, when I hear students asking about activities, I think my Goodness, what have we done to children and to childhood? This question, which activities should I pursue in order to get into college, is of course on every kid's mind and on the minds of parents. But boy, is it this classic example of how childhood has become this utilitarian pursuit of getting into college. My goodness, if we could return childhood to children, what a gift that would be. Okay. That's me on my soapbox. (laughs) Let me give you some advice now. Colleges want to know who you are. Colleges want to know what matters to you. So if you're 
a ninth grader, a 10th grader, like this particular listener, if you're an 11th grader, 12th grader, what matters in your application is simply what matters to you. If you're younger and you're trying to kind of plan your four years in furtherance of what a college wants, I want to kind of dissuade you from that being the goal and instead realize a college is interested in who you actually are. So you should pursue activities you actually care about. Don't worry about having to stack up a zillion activities to impress some college. A college is impressed when you've done stuff that mattered to you, when you've taken an interest that began to bud in the ninth grade and you've deepened it through some summer activity after 10th grade or through a class you took in 11th grade or a little bit of research or extra study you managed to do at some point along the way. The point is a connection through the years that shows you were interested in something and you were motivated to discover yourself through that work a little bit further. It's not about being impressive. Again, it's about saying, hey, I'm curious. I'm a learner. I'm motivated. I'm a hard worker. I'm interested in my own development. That's what you want to show on those activities lists. So how is our getting in senior August Graves feeling about the application process right now? Well, also, I just looked at how many supplements I have to do. I have like 11 supplements. Oh my God, that's so many supplements. But um, they call it extra writing or like they sometimes just say supplement, but it's just a, it's like another essay, but a lot shorter, sometimes longer. The Tulane one is 50 words to a thousand words. I'm like, that's a lot of freedom and I'm terrified. <laughs> I took my SAT, my last SAT, and I felt so good about it. I can't wait for the scores to come out to see how much I improved. And I'm taking my first and only ACT on the 24th, which is soon. That's like what I'm stressed out about in terms of college right now. And how is she building her own extracurricular profile for her applications? So every college says quality, not quantity. Like, stick with something and show that you're passionate about it. And like five years in one thing is a lot better than like one year in five things. Uh, well, I play soccer. I have been playing soccer my entire life. And in 10th grade, I was in the same club that I am in now. And my coach nominated me for the Mayor's Cup, which is like a best seniors in the city, which is pretty exciting. Now, if you're applying early decision, the deadline for many schools is fast approaching. It's November 1st. And early decision is what we'll be exploring in our next episode. In that episode, we'll be meeting a new addition to our group of high school seniors, Jordana Meyer of Chevy Chase, Maryland. I'm very, very interested in Columbia, applying early decision. Uh, there's a lot of things I love about it. I love the urban campus. I love the fact that they encourage their students to, you know, use the city. You know, there are a lot of urban schools that just kind of sit in the city and don't acknowledge that the city's around them. And, you know, Columbia, you have to use New York in order to succeed. I'm, I was very aware um, last year when I was looking at colleges that if I were to apply early decision somewhere, it would be contractually bound to go there. And I knew very early on that that was going to be my number one. And it's it's so, I just feel like it's such a good fit for me that if I applied, you know, regular decision, I, I'd still, and got in, I'd still go. It just It just made sense. It makes sense for me. And early decision applications are weighing heavily on parents particularly surrounding financial aid issues. Here's a question we received by email from a parent named Angie Smith. We were at an informational meeting last night where two schools, Duke and Penn, were present and indicated that they were an early admission school with a binding contract. They also indicated that they give priority to these students who apply early admission. 
As a parent, I am concerned that I could be in a binding contract financially, yet would not have completed my FAFSA at the time of early admission. How do people do this? I want to advise my daughter to apply to our top school in early admission, especially if they give priority to these students. But I'm not sure I could afford to send her, and I would prefer to have more information from other schools regarding their financial aid packages. I'd like to use this information to help make a more financially sound decision. Advice? That, that is a great question and extremely pertinent. When a student does decide to apply early decision to a school, Duke and Penn are great examples, um, they are able to send their CSS profile, College Scholarship Service, and it's, that's all part of the uh, College Board. So a family can find that form right on the College Board website. So the FAFSA has a January 1st entry date and, and profile has a November 1st entry date. And you can actually file your profile in time for an early decision application. So what those schools will do is to give a preliminary or, or an estimated financial aid award for that student during the early decision process. Now, is that a final award? No, because it will depend on the FAFSA. Will there be much change between the estimated and the final? Well, it really depends. Usually not, but still, it does give the family and the student a pretty good sense, or at least a good range, of the kind of financial aid award that they'd receive. If your student decides to apply early decision to a school, in most cases, they will get that estimated financial aid award in December. Now, whether as a family you decide that that's good enough in terms of information or data to to make a decision about where to attend college, then wonderful. If you'd rather wait, then then you certainly can wait and then compare all the offers that you get, both admission and financial aid, and make a decision uh, in April instead. Do you feel that early decision favors families who feel more confident financially? Is there maybe an unfair advantage? I, I think on the face of it, yes. I think colleges have done a remarkable job in offering a full financial aid process for students who do apply early so that they get a pretty good sense. So uh, I think there may be an inherent advantage to, to those who are less concerned about their finances for college, but uh, it just requires those families that do need financial aid and for, for whom that's an important part of their process to, to do a little bit more work and put more thought into the final decisions that they make. You know, I actually don't know a lot about this piece, this nuance of the intersection between financial aid and early decision. But in my heart, I have to believe that no school is going to hold you to a binding early decision situation if you don't have the financial wherewithal to afford the school. So this is a very important question. I, th I think what I would urge any listener in this circumstance, as many are, to think about or to do is when your son or daughter is applying, have your son or daughter or you the parent contact the school with that question. What if the student is accepted and the financial aid offered doesn't meet the need? Are we going to be held to some kind of binding contract? The answer, I'm sure, will be we will meet whatever financial need you have. The schools that tend to offer this early decision process tend to also have a good amount of financial aid to offer. But just for peace of mind, I would call and ask that question, and I'm pretty sure you'll get the reassurance you're looking for. If you're applying early somewhere, we want to hear from you. How are you feeling right now? How did you come to the decision that this one school is the one for you? Do you have tips for other early applicants? Send us an email, or better yet, a voice memo to gettingin@slate.com, or you can call our hotline and leave a message. We love hearing from you. 
That number is 929-999-4353. Again, that's 929-999-4353. And that's it for this episode. With any luck, the next time you hear from me, I won't have this cold. You can keep up with us and find out more about our experts and teens at slate.com slash getting in. And please leave us a comment in iTunes. It helps other people discover this show. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Production help from Barry Finkel. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. And Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Julie lifcott Haynes, and I hope you'll join us next time on Getting In. And remember, it's not just about getting in. It's about finding the right fit. Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download them and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book you might try out from Audible is The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy. Jessica Leahy is a middle school teacher and also a parent. And in this book, she basically admonishes us parents Middle school will teach your kid the important gift of failure. If only we parents will get out of the way and let it. If you want to listen to The Gift of Failure or many other books, Audible has it. With more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products, you'll find what you're looking for on Audible. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com college. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash college. And use the promo code college.